0: Welcome to a special edition of For the Lore. We're actually going to be splitting up this episode into two parts. You can download them at the same time, but just so that people have the option of actually stop listening to us because this is likely to go on for quite a while. Why and would that's...
1: anybody want to stop listening to us, Roger?
0: After an hour, I'm done listening to you motherfuckers. I, don't... <laughs> I reach my point then, so I figure everybody else must as well. So we are, of course, going to be covering E3, which was last week. We had the option of doing an episode partway through, but then it's, sometimes it's easier and more fun to have that overall view, overall view. Uh, just cover all of the games, everything that was fun, and uh, and the, the misses as well, which there were a couple. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off with the big three, of course, your Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, and then later on we're going to cover the Bethesda Presser, Ubisoft, EA, there was a PC gaming one, as well as a variety of other games that were discussed there too. I feel it's appropriate to start with Sony because, in my opinion, they stole it. The, I shouldn't say stole the show, but they were definitely the best of the three. I'm assuming you guys agree?
1: It wasn't as much of a runaway yeah. victory as previous years, but it was still the most solid of all the conferences yeah. because it was just on that one. It had great pacing. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the
0: past, too, Sony has essentially converted warehouses into amphitheaters, and this time around they decided, well, you know, Just use a fucking amphitheater instead. (laughs) And they had a full orchestra at the front. and Oh, my God. That
1: orchestra was the most amazing thing. See, that's the thing. They need to do that every year. Yeah.
0: People don't realize there's a big difference between an orchestra and just sound coming out of speakers. Big difference. And there's a presence, a weight to it. And they understood that. And sure enough, it worked a great effect, especially when you had various big things happening. Like Kojima coming down with a freaking score. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> playing and it was like yeah okay And it was playing like what was it Mad Max theme I believe is what it was he'd asked Something for like it that, yeah. yeah so I don't know if you guys tuned in right at the start of the Sony one or if you watched some of the pre-show because they covered some stuff in the pre-show that I actually didn't see them talk too much about or at all during their actual presser
1: I missed quite a bit over the first couple of days because my internet went down at yeah. home again <laughs> So I had to tether my laptop through my cell phone. <laughs> so I was basically just catching That's the made conferences. folks. Yeah.
0: So one of the first ones, and I missed a couple at the start as well, but one of the first ones that I saw was um, Abzu, which is basically an exploring the ocean kind of game. Looks spectacular, though. I love the art style. I don't know that there's actually any story behind or if you're just mainly exploring. I have no clue what the fuck the game's about, but it looks very cool, I got to say.
2: Sometimes and, you don't need a deep story. Sometimes you just need it to be really pretty.
0: As long as it's not too expensive. As long as it's not too expensive, Fair. I'm willing to drop the money and pick up these "quote unquote" experience games because sometimes, again, it is nice just to pop in and swim around. And it, it man, the stuff they show was spectacular. After that, they talked to one of the dev- devs from Bound. Um, that's the game that has the ballerina. You play as a ballerina dancing mm-hmm. along. That game, from the very start, I thought was spectacularly beautiful. I loved the concept behind it as well. And I loved what was shown of the gameplay as well. Because there's there's a big difference between a big brute of a man dashing in in an FPS kind of thing, like a freaking linebacker, as opposed to this graceful, beautiful ballerina And the movements that she has is very, very cool. I absolutely adore it. When they showed her swinging on the ribbon going down, I was like, oh, that's cool as shit. (laughs) This is why we want more games like this and more games that have female protagonists and and diversity and things like that, because you come up with things that you're not going to get in these muscle bound games. I loved it. And then after that, they talked about Hawken, which is their mech-based team shooter, which is actually free to, is going to be free to play and okay. going to have... It's
1: been out on PC for a while.
0: Yeah, so it's going to be coming out on um, on the PS4. And again, it looked fantastic. I, because of the wealth of team-based shooter games right now to choose from, <laughs> and it just keeps growing, I, this is not at the top of my list. So it certainly looks cool. I, I'll give it a shot because it's free. Put it that way.
1: It's a fun little game.
0: Yeah. Pyre was the next one that they talked about, which we're all excited about. But they really didn't show much there. I know they talked about it somewhere else, but I didn't catch it. I don't know if either of you did.
1: No, I missed that, like completely. I think at this point we know everything we're going to know about this game until it comes out. just that's just how Supergiant operates. They give you the basics of it. They give you some nice music, some pretty graphics, and then they stay silent until it's done.
0: Yeah. Well, we know as much as we really need to know as well. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just, well, you got me. Don't worry about it. Uh, Then they talked about some Eagle Flight as well, which... We'd already heard some of it from one of the other pressers, but they were talking about it as it pertains to the, the PSVR and whatnot. And we'll cover that a little bit later on when we talk to you about the, the devs. But I thought that was cool as hell. I'm happy that it's coming out on the PSVR as well, which is the one that I'm gonna be getting, because that means I'll get to play this. And as a team based alternative to a shooter, <laughs> it's freaking cool as hell. And then they talked about some watchdogs too. Again, we'll cover that later for the devs. Oh, but it was so
2: nice to see it finally, like officially.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it'd be nice if hackers weren't all svelte men who are like parkour experts. I, I'm not saying it has to be a Doritos and Mountain Dew hey, let's, stereotype, let's but
2: just be happy it's a POC this time around. Yeah, like it's at least something that isn't like a white dude. Yeah,
0: so start of the actual presser freaking again. Orchestra just unbelievable with
1: a seven minute instrumental
0: <laughs> <laughs> and worth it yes. <laughs> you got the the male singers on the side the one woman on the other side and then the God of War trailer and this is it's the same God of war same Kratos just different setting and he's trying to raise his son and I loved this and not just because of how amazing it looked not just because the combat looked cool as well i liked it because of that relationship with the son and like this was a troubled relationship you can see him trying and failing and you could see the son wanting so badly to please him and it just was incredibly well done like the 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 troll fight was awesome but to me, the, it came down to the the reasons behind everything in that, that father-son relationship, that him reaching for him at the end and then pulling away, and then a fucking dragon <laughs> swoops by. And you're going like, yeah, okay, I want to play this now.
2: What's interesting, too, is there was a lot of—that was actually a big highlight for them for E3, too, especially afterwards, not just because it's a new God of War game, but it's a very interesting take on it, too, and the kid is going to be integral to gameplay and story. Yeah. Like, that's that's kind of the huge thing. Like, there's going to be, uh, I believe the quote is, there is going to be an entire button devoted to your child because it's going to be using, like, combo attacks and things like that. Uh, but what's really oh, cool... Our, our wonderful child, R2. Right? <laughs> but what's, what's really interesting, though, is that the story element that the director put into it is... The, the relationship dynamic is the child learning how to be a god and Kratos relearning how to be a man. And it's a very interesting dynamic. Cause it was a response to one of their well-deserved critiques over the last several years is that Kratos, after the first game, was like, yeah, what's humanity? Screw humanity. I'm just going to, you know... People couldn't relate to him. There was no relatable story. He was just murdering for the sake of murdering at that point. And they're trying to add more of a, a human element, more of a... some Character development into it to keep players interested in the story as well as you know making murder.
0: And to me, it worked. Like from a, from what we saw, which was actually a considerable amount of gameplay footage over all of E three various times, mm-hmm. and um, the voice acting was spectacular. The graphics were
2: astounding. Ooh. It's a different voice actor too for Kratos this time around. Did you did you know that? No, yeah. I
0: did
1: not actually.
2: It, it's my it's my judge. Uh, it's it's actually Teal'c. Teal'c is voicing him this time around. Christopher Judge. Christopher Judge. Excuse me. Yeah, yes. Mike judge sorry. is the
1: Beavis and Butthead
2: Head. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I was, I was too excited. But yeah, no. Teal'c. Teal'c is voicing
1: him. It's really friggin' awesome. It's yeah. a great fit too. Yeah. So very very cool stuff. But one of the things I really like about this game have you have you guys heard about how they're treating the camera in this game? No continuous shot yes the entire game is one continuous unbreaking camera shot when it's gameplay you know you have control of the camera like you would a typical third person game but instead of cutting away for a cut scene they're just going to move the camera to where it needs to be so it's going to be one continuous visual experience it's like birdman but with kratos <laughs> but better <laughs>
2: And they also they changed the Spartan Rage too now as well to trigger cinematic uh, scenes, not mm. just give you invincibility and make you, you know, super strong like that happens. But it's a cutscene, It's a cinematic event. whenever you get, the Spartan Rage. And interestingly enough, at least from what I saw in the demo, even during cut scenes where, like, you know, he's getting angry at his kid or whatever the case is, when you have no direct control over him, his rage meter still fills
0: well it feels more too depending on how he yeah depending on his interactions with his son if he loses his cool or whatever it feels more even so Mm -hmm. that's kind of cool as well (laughs) i'm not saying i can relate but it is father's day (laughs) and i earned it (laughs) okay let's move on days gone was the next one this was a new surprise and it's Another post-apocalyptic zombie show or zombie game. Yeah. It, they 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 made a big point of trying to say they're not really zombies. They're freakers and they're alive. And there's a hive mind mentality. I'm going. It's a zombie. Look, if it yeah. walks and quacks like a zombie, it's a zombie. All right. So when do
1: zombies
2: quack?
0: It's it, it seriously it is, I'm just mixing. I'm pretty medical.
1: sure there was a Howard the Duck Marvel Zombies crossover. There you
0: go. All right, moving on. Uh, I I mean, it looked fantastic. The 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 gameplay looks solid. I just eh. – I don't think that there's going to be any – enough fresh in it to compete against the other ones. But we'll yeah, see.
1: There, there definitely wasn't enough wow factor here for it to be kind of their headliner for the show. Yeah. And, and
0: the thing is is that, again, if you break it down and you look at it, it, it did look spectacular. Gameplay was mm-hmm. great. Characters looked interesting. There's a lot of good going for it. But at the end of the day, all we really got out of this is some dude lost family members. And now he's part of a biker gang that slays. (laughs) He's,
1: He's stereotypical video game protagonist number four. Yeah.
0: So we did get a lot more on Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, my God. New trailer and gameplay. And the gameplay was quite happily something different than what we've seen already. Plus it was considerably longer and we see her going out and doing some hunting to go pick up some pieces that she needs. But then she has to go to uh, another place that's being attacked. Well, she doesn't have to. She decides because she's a badass that she's going to go and investigate what's going on. I like the little lines there too. You know, some people run the other people ride into the danger and she rides into that motherfucker. You find out that you can have mounts by hacking freaking creatures the robot (laughs) creatures in the wild and i was like oh my god i was watching with karen was beside me and i was like tapping her (laughs) (laughs) mouth look at this and mounted combat as well and they even showed off a little crafting like when she is uh going along i can't remember if she was walking at that point or had gotten her mount. i think she was walking though and it kind of broke into that new area just past the bridge. And you see the giant goddamn mechs walking by. Kind of looked like massive dinosaur giraffe things, whatever the fuck they were. Cue the Jurassic Park theme. It was awesome. So, anyways, I absolutely adored everything we
2: got to see about this. There's also an interesting system that they talked about. And I was watching people who had actually gotten some some playtime with it on the floor they were reporting that uh, there's a crafting system in the game, yeah. and the, which is kind of, you know, if you've played Far Cry or anything like that, that's sort of like par for the course. Um, but they've got a solution to a very, very annoying problem that I'm sure everybody who's played these types of games has ever come across, which is you go to create something and you're short one damn piece. They actually have a system in the game called Create Job or Generate Job that will actually... Produce a quest that will generate that item somewhere for really? you to go get it so that you don't have to sit and, and like plot around or like find an NPC or like, you know, find one very super specific living bio thing. Like it'll generate that quest for you so you know exactly where to go and get it. And it is a honest to God quest in the game. And I thought that was really ingenious. It's a very
1: ingenious solution to that type of problem. Mm, that I is spent far too much time in Witcher looking for flowers. Right.
0: Well, it's the same problem you get in every MMO as well for crafting where you're Mm. just sitting and you have to go to different level zones just to get the stuff that you need to make the items, and that's bullshit. So that's awesome. Okay, next big one that they talked about is another one that we're all excited for too, and that's um, Detroit Becoming Human. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was phenomenal. Again, yet more gameplay footage that we've not yet seen. And these guys are fantastic. Again, I keep going back to the the video I was telling actually Tristan to watch it, um, and which of course no, the name is going to escape me. But the, the 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 robot that becomes sentient and then prays for her life, and mm-hmm. saying like that's where this all stems from. That's why this is so awesome. They've been on this for years, yeah. and so this time around we see the android negotiator, and his name is Connor, and he's you don't really know what's going on. And if you haven't been following it, you don't even realize that he is necessarily an android. It's kind of he's got the little glowing stuff on him, but that could just be futuristic cell phones, Everybody in the future has plugs. Exactly. Who knows? So you find out, though, because he goes to rescue, there's a hostage situation and he goes in and it's on the roof. And you see another like him, not the same skin, but obviously patterns that signify that it's an android and it's gonna that one wants to kill the little girl and so then the as a negotiator you have to kind of decide how you're gonna tackle the situation and what's the best way for the child to live and but in this gameplay that they showed he fails and android pulls the little girl down I found it even though I knew it was a game it's just a trailer kind of thing whatever it still had impact seeing them falling back go oh okay, they're taking this shit seriously. Mm-hmm. You start throwing kids over a building, you're really going into a dark place. And it sounds as creepy as it does, but I, I like that. I like that they're willing to take those risks where in the choices that you are going to make and how well your, you do your detective work, because they showed that as well, will determine just how bad shit can go. And once again, child falling off a building, that's pretty bad. So I, I thought it was a really excellent trailer and there was also an interview that i saw later on with one of the devs who was talking about the how your choices can impact the outcome that there's a ton of investigation and you can actually play as different androids i was like i was already sold this was like okay now i'm pre-ordering this shit when i can (laughs) well
1: I was interested, but I didn't become sold until I learned one very important piece of information, and that's that they hired actual writers for this game. (laughs) David Cage, phenomenally creative individual, visionary when it comes to new ways of playing games, not a very good writer. (laughs) So for him to actually let some of that control out of his hands and bring in people who are professionals at this position, now I'm sold. Yeah. Joe, any thoughts? I need this
2: game in my life. I mean, it's one of those things where the fact that it's a neo-noir thriller from a third, you know. (laughs) You you had had Joe at neon lights. (laughs) Seriously, you had me at neo-noir. Like, that, yes, please. I've been hooked since the beginning. And also to learn, like Vince said, that, you know, David Cage isn't going to be doing all the writing makes me even more excited. Um and the and female Android's voice, uh, name you were looking for earlier is Kara? Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, the, the amount of emotion that we've already heard from Kara, from voice actor Valerie Curry, um, is phenomenal, and I can't wait to see how that shifts throughout the game. Like, I'm, I'm all on board. I, everything about this game just sings to me.
1: Yeah. And I just realized an interest. I don't know if they did that intentionally or not. You have Connor and Kara. Superboy and Supergirl. Yep, I'm wondering. There has to be a link there. That's not an accident.
0: (laughs) Okay, moving on. Another surprise: Resident Evil Seven Biohazard. (laughs) Now, Joe, you were also going ballistic over this.
2: It's back to its survival horror roots, and that's what really makes it exciting for me. So, what we saw from it is there's you wake up and there's found video footage of you going to this house that, you know, was supposedly abandoned and this family, like, up and left and disappeared. Nobody knows why, but it's supposed to be really, really superly haunted. And you go in as, like, a paranormal investigator. It's you and, like, two camera dudes. Like, you, your friend, and, like, somebody you hired and you're the guy that they hired, I guess. And it's just very found footage, very hoary, very jump-scary, fuck mannequins. uh, Like, (laughs) Everything about it is—it's it, there's a lot of suspense in this game, and that's one thing that's been missing from Resident Evil for since Resident Evil Two. Probably. There has been there's it's all been it became all about the combat. It was the same problem I had with like Silent Hill, the most the, the more recent mm-hmm. ones, is that it became more about combat, less about the horror, less about the suspense. Here, it's they have. I'm Trying to think how to phrase this, it's like a perfect storm of atmosphere and story because this is resident evil is all about these bioorganic creations right these these weapons what happens when they get loose what happens when they go crazy sure but what happens when they're stalking human prey and this is what that's this is about like whether they're in the walls whether they're you know trying to eat you or in this case trying to make you part of the family which i thought was interesting they don't want to kill you necessarily here they want to make you one of them and it's a horror show and
1: I'm sold Mm -hmm. just from that alone. Oh, did you actually play the demo? Not yet. It's, it's actually, they're doing some really creative stuff here because you play through the demo. You said you wake up, you find this found footage tape. And then when you're, you're not watching the found footage, you're playing the cameraman in the found footage. And through what you learn as the cameraman, now you know, okay, you know, there's a hidden lever over here and whatnot, and that's how you, you find your path to escape. But of course, you know, fuck you, you're not escaping. So they're actually basing the gameplay around how they know players are going to react. Because you start the demo over again going, okay, that wasn't the right thing to do. But now you as the player know where the hidden lever is. So you don't have to go through all that stuff again. And if you go directly there, suddenly there's new stuff there that opens up a completely different path. Like, people have been going nuts for the past week almost now trying to figure... Because according to Capcom, there is a way to escape that house. Nobody has found it yet, and it's glorious watching all these crazy <laughs> theories and things. Like, I, I love it. it. It's a great that's you demo. Get, that's how you get hype for your game right there. It's a 20-minute demo that people have been playing for six days. <laughs> demo on the PS4? Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm going to have to download yeah, it. Download I actually it, yeah. did not download it, no. So... That freaking awesome! When the dude in the audience screamed <laughs> when the, when the figure <laughs> passed in the doorway, I was like, "Okay, yeah, this is it's got likes. There's there's going to be something here." So from there, they did some talking about PSVR, not too too much though. But we do finally have a date, October thirteenth, and uh, they're they're sticking to their statement that there's going to be fifty games between the release and the end of the year. So that's good. And again, for US dollars, we're looking at uh, three ninety nine. So from there they talked about some of the games though that are going to be on it there was farpoint which is kind of a sci-fi exploration in desert on like a desert world planet or whatever it looked very cool especially the footage that they showed with the um, the the aim controller that they're going to be putting out so the gun that has all the buttons built in, the so you Zapper. Know, yeah, basically. And uh, but it looked like a freaking blast. Nothing spectacular, like in terms of story, quite likely. But just for a shooter, again, not not a proof of concept, but maybe not as full blown as a full game. But we might see more about it later on. Then they show the freaking X-Wing missions for Battlefront. Oh. And even though there's only like a few missions, it's not a big deal. It's going to be infinitely repeatable, kind of just to go in and mess around and do it. And it's pretty much everybody's fantasy who ever wanted to pilot one of these things.
1: It's freaking and, awesome. And it has to be kind of a market test for a potential X-Wing versus Sci Fighter game. They, yeah. would, they would be stupid at this point not to.
0: Well, the thing is, is I'm watching this and and if other companies aren't taking their cues from this be it Star Trek which yes there's the bridge crew thing but I'm talking full on flying different things or mm-hmm. the obvious one too would be like Firefly for, for the obvious awesome that would be freaking awesome but there's a ton of things like that that they'll be able to do different shows dude can you imagine a freaking Battlestar Galactica one where you could do either as a Cylon Raider or as one of the the, the, the pilots that would be awesome And then they showed a little, not too, too much on the Arkham Batman, Arkham VR. The, they talked about it a lot more in other things. The done by Rocksteady. The more I read about this because they really didn't show a lot. It it had, I had to go looking for people who tried it and wrote about what the experience was. And then it's at that point you realize, okay, this actually is going to be pretty cool. Not as a fully, playable game per se although there is gameplay elements but again just that experience of being in the goddamn Batcave. cave so that was
1: cool well and not only that it's a detective game yeah. it's that side of batman that doesn't work quite so well in a lot of other video games but yeah. that's what this is built around and that's brilliant
0: yeah then there was some final fantasy stuff but we this was just <laughs> the, the experience thing which yeah, whatever. Writing it it around, didn't even look that good. <laughs> no. So I, I, I definitely wasn't sold on that. They shifted over from there. They didn't say, hey, this is going to no longer VR. So I was excited for a little while and then found out, oh, this is just a fucking <laughs> game. But this is the first game since, like, Modern Warfare where I've been excited for a Call of Duty game. And that's Infinite Warfare this is the sci-fi game you're the captain of what appears to be like this massive battle star destroyer thing and then he goes out in a little fighter great freaking shootouts out there (laughs) i
1: originally thought this was a Battlestar galactica game because it looked an awful lot like a viper
0: oh yeah yeah definitely and uh and so then you have the 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 fighting inside of the ship was, which was tight as hell, looked fantastic. And then motherfucker jumps out of his ship, and then <laughs> there's fighting in space with a whole bunch of other people. That again blew my mind. And that little grapple hook from the wrist thing to reposition himself, which is yet another. Re-
1: 2016, the year of the grappling hook. Yeah.
0: Fucking thing would have been
1: great in if your VR. your game doesn't have a grappling hook, it has crabs. Uh, and then going into the ship,
0: disabling it from the inside, setting charges, getting the fuck out. It looked amazing.
1: It looked fantastic. I remember when this game was announced, all the Call of Duty fans were pissed off. Like, oh, this is terrible. Like, I didn't even look at the trailer. And then I saw this, and I was like, wait, this is the Call of Duty game that everybody says sucks? This looks fucking awesome. It's,
0: it, I kept going back to Mass Effect. If Mass Effect could do that, Hulk. Oh. Oh, that's what I want to see from Andromeda. Next up, Crash Bandicoot made a big deal about the remastering and that he's going to be in Skylanders. Meh, whatever for hey. me. Uh, they also covered some Lego Star Wars: The Force Awakens that's going to be coming out. It's going to be freaking massive. I, I'm not that much of a fan of The Force Awakens that I'd I play through a Lego game for it, but for anybody no who such is, that's the thing. Is a bad Lego game though. That's the thing. So it'll be fun. I like the little Indiana Jones nod there too. Which was hysterical. I thought that was great. And then of course Kojima walks out. In grandiose. No, he walk no, no. Out. Yeah, really. He may as well have been carried out by a couple of large Samoans. <laughs> like, please. And that's the introduction to his new IP that he's gonna be putting out, Death Stranding. Actually, Vince, you wanna take this? <laughs>
1: Of course, you give me the weird, unexplainable shit.
0: I would have thought that you would have <laughs> looked your into this. That's your, Really, seriously. Crazy no, no, no. Japanese shit.
1: Go, Who's, who am I going to no, for no. this? Crazy Japanese Kojima shit is its completely different department. Like, I... This is just some absolute weird shit involving naked Norman Reedus, phantom handprints, a weird disappearing baby, and dead sea life, and weird shit. It's... This is what Kojima does (laughs) when you pull off the reins and just say, you know, let him do whatever the hell he wants, because there was a lot of elements of his weird visionary stuff and Metal Gear Solid. But it was always constrained by the fact that it still had to be a Metal Gear game. So like, I'm really interested to see what the hell he comes up with. I don't know if I'm going to play said game, but it's going to be a hell of a ride seeing it happen. Apparently, there's like a bunch
2: of like science shit on the dog tags too, in like oh, yeah, the it's preview crazy. where it's like, I don't know, the gravitational pull of the event horizon of a black hole. Like he's getting super goddamn deep here. It's not just going to be Norman Reedus and his Norman fetus. It's going to be like
1: super science and like weird shit. I'm on board. If you look last night, I retweeted somebody already has done a cosplay of naked Norman Reedus <laughs> with the baby. And actually took a picture with Norman Reedus at a con the other day. (laughs) That's excellent. See,
0: it's just people really, really either like him or I think are just kind of like meh about him. And I looked at this and I thought, well, it's interesting. It certainly poses a lot of questions, but I was not wigging out nearly as much as a lot of other people were about this. And trying to read into everything that's there, and I'm going, okay, good on you, but I don't know. I saw a lot of other things better than this.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever, but it it's intriguing and it's interesting because it's something that we're just starting to see out of the Japanese game industry where, you know, the individuals are suddenly becoming more important than the companies. And a lot of this is coming out of the clusterfuck that Konami's been for the past couple of years. So it's it's definitely drawing a lot of interest from people who haven't quite experienced something like this before.
0: Yeah. And lastly, we are getting a Spider Man game from Insomniac Games. Yes. But
1: it's not Miles. No. Which
0: pissed me off.
1: <laughs> pissed me off. You got off. yourself so hyped up for something you knew was never going to happen. I know. I know. We hoped, but
0: you need hope in your life. I need a lot more than you, <laughs> so I had to. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's another yet another Peter story. They are putting it in a timeline where Peter is older, which does not tend to happen. But yeah, he's going to be more of an adult, m- much more confident with his abilities, which is apparent from some of the moves that you see, and more more confident in the fights as well and things like that. So, I mean, that's a pro as well. I'm, I'm kind of tired of the Peter when he just, just got bit kind of stories. Let's, let's do something later on in life as such as what we're seeing in the current run on the comic books. So I wasn't a fan of the suit. Which, as it turns out, is not an unlockable. That's going to be the goddamn suit. And they were saying, they, I, I watched it in an interview as well with someone from Marvel as well as someone from Insomniac. And they were talking about it. and this, They were saying, like, everything will be explained, why the suit is different, and things like that. Well, I don't care if it's explained. That, that, explaining it don't make it pretty. <laughs> and I thought it was hideous myself.
2: Listen, All I know is if I can buy a different suit, I'm going to buy a different
1: suit. Like, I'll give them real money yes, or yeah. something they, other they sold me costume DLC with this trailer. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> the gameplay was fantastic. I mean, really, really impressive gameplay. And so it's going to be nice and fluid as well with the movement, which is what you need out of a, of a, a Spider-Man game. So I, I don't know that this is going to be a day one play for me, but I will, I will definitely play it.
1: it. It did look fun. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm hearing this is just the first of a whole new line of Marvel licensed games that we're going to be seeing. Like I read an interview with I think it was Kasada talking about how, you know, they uh, they really had to rethink their video game strategy after a lot of really bad games. So like they kind of just shut everything down and started from scratch of only taking, you know, the best. They had to offer you know, no more movie tie-ins. They want to give their licensees as much time as possible to make the best games possible to make the brand look as good as it can. And that's definitely going to be the right decision going forward, hopefully.
0: Well, see, they stick with Insomniac. New York is built now. They've got their engine. They've got everything. So reskin the Spider-Man. Give him the, the
1: OmniX Spider-Man games were great.
0: Yeah, and then just give him, make him Miles instead. So recreate Peter as Miles, and toss in a Genki, and just change MJ to Genki. Just <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't
1: change the dialogue one bit.
0: That would be even funnier. But yeah, they could they could do something like that. They have to. Okay, let's move on to Microsoft. Joe, go ahead.
1: So
2: Microsoft this time around was more about hardware than software, at least in my opinion. They were all about that hardware, uh, and so I guess we'll start with that. So there's going to be new Xboxes, yay! Not really, cool. yeah. And I, there, would, I'm going to emphasize the S on that because one of them is actually called the Xbox One S. Uh, basically, it's going to be a slimmer, uh, smaller Xbox One uh, that is 4K no a
1: microwave.
2: That is no longer a microwave. Uh, it has an internal power supply instead of a brick. I mean, okay, that's awesome. That's the first time in years. Uh, 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray, uh, and it's going to have uh, HDR. And uh, it's going to have streaming partners with Netflix and Amazon, which is interesting. Uh, that's kind of cool for people that don't already own one, and it's going to be at the, the regular price. It's going to look like it's going to be $300 US for a 500 and 350 for a one terabyte. So okay, that's cool. And then we have the new one, Project Scorpio, which I don't know if you thought about this, but I immediately thought of that episode of The Simpsons with Scorpio. <laughs> it's just like him sitting there with like a flamethrower, laughing maniacally, and that's that's, that's my vision of Sutherland. Microsoft. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, it's going to be the most powerful council ever created. Blah blah blah. Six uh, and it's going to have a GPU delivering Premiere console gaming experience. It's also going to be five, or 4K capable. Uh, it's no idea on price, no idea on storage or anything like that, except from it's just going to have that six teraflops, which is everybody's favorite word this week was teraflops. Uh, there's the new Xbox wireless controller, which actually I was kind of excited for. Mm hmm. Uh, It's got textured grip. It's got uh, a new uh, thinner design. They've added Bluetooth to it as well uh, to allow easier connection to the Windows 10 PCs. because A lot of the PCs that are coming out right now do have Bluetooth built into them, the desktops uh, as well as the laptops. And uh, basically, it's just an upgraded version of the current line uh, at the same price. And if that's not good enough for you, they push the fact that you could go ahead and design your own, which actually is kind of cool. They actually have, it's live now, it's the Xbox Design Lab, where you can go ahead and customize a controller for yourself uh, with any color combination, almost any color combination you want. The the choices are right now a little limited, uh, but you can get some pretty cool color combinations, like if you wanted to have a Vault 111 uh, style Xbox One controller, which I may or may not have built before we started recording today, um, you can totally go ahead and do that. You want to have it engraved, you can totally do that. And you can customize literally every feature of this, like the back plates, the triggers, the face plates, the analog sticks, even the uh, ABXY buttons. Uh, it's, it's actually kind of a cool feature and one that I know that people have been asking for for a while. So lots of folks are going to be happy about that.
0: Going back to the consoles, because you didn't give me a chance to say anything, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Let's just gloss over that real fast and talk about the controllers before the old man can say something. What pissed me off most about that is yeah. how much the 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 people are trying to sell you on the idea that this is a good thing. The, the people mm-hmm. being your Microsoft and your Sony for the, the Neo, which did not show here, but they did talk about it before, saying, yeah, it's coming out. What pisses me off is how much they're trying to say this is a good thing you're always going to have more more power and it'll be great and and they're seeing they specifically said how they've seen the phone industry do just this and people love that well the difference is your phone yeah it's not as big a deal especially with packages to upgrade and also you're not buying games on your phone that are like 80 goddamn bucks that you then can't play on the next phone or the one before Mm -hmm. that this here like they were saying Games will be playable across all three. And I'm calling bullshit. Bullshit. There because they have to code. They have to code for the lowest language. common denominator, which is going to be the one. What's the point of having six teraflops if you're still coding for the one? That's bullshit. So there will be stuff that will only work on the higher end consoles. So that's what pisses me off about this. This is not a good thing. The introduction partway through a cycle of of incremental changes is fucking bullshit and it's shoving their hands in our pockets.
2: Here's the interesting thing about that, right? I don't know if they realize how much they're shooting themselves in the foot. Right now, the console industry as a whole has a problem with early adoption, and they've had mm. that for the last several iterations where players know better than to buy the first generation of that hardware because it's usually buggy or the hardware is you know, weak. How many times do we have the red ring of death or the lens on the PlayStation died out or whatever the case is? In those those very very first releases, and then people will tend to wait a little bit. Well, now here you're giving them incentive never to pick up your first iteration of a console.
1: So I don't it's like I, never buy the first generation yeah. Nintendo handheld because they're going to come out with a new version the next exactly. Year. And Nintendo's felt this burn before too, and they've even
2: slowed down on the handheld thing a little bit. Yes, try they like like considerably. Like I don't understand if they realize what they're doing to themselves. They're going to kill themselves
1: as far as sales go, which are already down. Put that up. But yeah, like like I said, they're using some really questionable language. Like their big, you know, selling point is no one is going to be left behind. But then they always follow that up with all of your old games and old accessories will work on the new console, with absolutely no mention of how things are going to work on the old consoles you know they said they claim that any game you buy will be playable across all three i mean they're considering the s its own unique piece of hardware even though from the gaming side it's indistinguishable from the xbox one but except that it'll probably have 4k up converting instead No, no no they, they said 4K? the 4k is only for video playback not for gameplay Ah, uh, OK. Yeah. Like, there, there was some very creative marketing speak in that Xbox One S promo. <laughs> but but they've said, like, the whole point of the Scorpio is to have true 4K gaming. But then what's his name? I can't even remember. One of the guys says we're not going to require our developers to like meet that minimum of 4K. So if they want to use that processing power for something else, they can. Well, if you're not using that processing power purely for graphics, you're going to be using it for something that affects gameplay, which will significantly affect those playing on the less powerful hardware. So they're saying one thing and then also saying something completely different. And it's very troubling.
0: It is. I agree. It pisses me off to no end. To no end.
2: Joe, this is still yours. I was just waiting to see if there's any more aggression (laughs) that had to come out. You know, I got to let the hate flow at least a little bit. It'll bubble back up later. Don't worry. Yeah, don't. worry. So there was also a discussion discussion of uh, Xbox Live uh, with things like uh, clubs where you can actually have gaming guilds on Xbox, which I thought was kind of cool. They're interested in a looking for group on Xbox Live, which thank you. That makes things like Destiny that much easier to find a group for as opposed to having to use a third party website. So Cool. Uh, there's going to be Arena on Xbox Live, which is an online tournament platform, which is kind of interesting because it lets you set up actual like brackets and things like that straight through the Xbox UI or the Xbox app, which is really kind of nifty. And you apparently there was rumors that you can tie it in with some of their partners, which I mean, they're affiliating with like Amazon and stuff like that for streaming. So I would imagine that there's going to be probably a giveaway function built in with Amazon, where if you wanted to have a A real tournament, you can have a prize that the winner will just get, which I think would actually be pretty cool, especially for we do a lot of that stuff locally here. So I know that piqued up a lot of interest from my local gaming group. I like looking
0: for group stuff, especially because of all the talk they're doing now with everything that's working on one will also work in Windows 10. So I was just going to get to that with. Chris. Oh, yeah. yeah, And I'm not going to cover it. You can. But just I, I love that idea specifically as it pertains then to the looking for group, because for people like myself, I'm not always going to be sitting over there. I'm going to be sometimes I'm, I'm more at my PC and, and Mac. So if I can still be playing all of my Xbox One games on my PC and and be able to use the looking for group function the same way as you do in, in MMOs and other games, that's freaking awesome. I love that.
2: Yeah, and that leads us to the next point, which is going to be cross-play. And that's going to be, and they push this a lot, where games are going to be available both on Xbox One and Windows 10 exclusive. Uh, you're, here they have games like Gears of War 4, Forza 3, Sea of Thieves, Scalebound, are all going to support cross-play between Xbox One and PC, which is absolutely awesome. And they also threw in Minecraft players on iOS and Android and Windows 10 phone and stuff like that as well. Can, can play with each other, which is really cool if you're really into Minecraft. But this opens up John a John Carmack
1: world. is really into Minecraft. Apparently. That's fair. <laughs> that was hilarious. Legitimately,
0: it, freaking Minecraft and VR looked
2: awesome. You got to admit that.
1: True. Their presentation did not.
2: Yeah. Well, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> But it opens up a whole new world of of play options, and that's something we've been asking for for a long time, especially when I've owned a game for PC and I've had friends that have it for the Xbox. This bridges that gap a little bit for me. Yeah. Some other things as well. Uh, they're going to bring Cortana to the Xbox One, which I know one person out there is excited about. Uh, There's going to be, what, PC games that are going to be exclusively added to Xbox Live, which I thought was an interesting thing as well. Old school PC Win32 games are going to be added to the Xbox Live app, which which is interesting. Yeah. And then there's going to be language and region independence, which is uh, basically right now games are region locked, right? Xbox is looking to get away with, get, get rid of that, basically. They want... You to be able to play with people from all across everything without having to have uh, like a region well, a region lock. They want it to be completely independent of that. So you can just play with whoever on PC and Xbox, which is kind of interesting.
1: It's something that the industry has gone back and forth on multiple times over the years, though. This is just the latest cycle of that.
2: Well, the, usually the industry and this is something they'll, they'll pull out before they actually go live on it. Let's see if they actually make good on it. But that's enough about hardware. And that's enough about their network. Let's talk about some games. Because we got some very good stuff here. Now, a game that I have been playing for a about a year now, Ark Survival Evolved, is on Xbox One and Windows 10. And its I can't wait for cross-play on that because that's going to be absolutely amazing. And it's a game about punching dinosaurs. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. We also Building had-
0: freaking castles on top of dinosaurs now
2: yes <laughs> no you could, they have platforms for the bigger dinosaurs i know that's what they were showing too. you you could have a you can have a flying fortress with like trebuchets and stuff like that on it as well which we do on one of our servers because why not uh we got to see dead rising 4 during the xbox uh, reveal which i thought was absolutely hysterical it actually made me really excited i want to play this
1: game I love that Dead Rising is essentially following the Saints Row formula, where the first two games tried really hard to be serious and like do their thing the right way and realize that their players had more fun just with the game engine than actually interacting with their super serious storyline. So with the third and fourth games, they've just gone full zany and it's working really well. It makes it makes your zombie game something unique amidst the sea of other zombie games.
2: And this one took place during Christmas with sleigh bells playing in the background cuz <laughs> sleigh bells. Yeah. Now, one I know that Roger was excited about Forza Oh, Enterprise dude. 3. You want to go ahead Oh, that, that right? was
0: awesome. That was freaking awesome. It was I I love the setting, Australia, and I love the fact that it will be cross-play with PC as well freaking awesome because again I've got the one but I'm not sitting down in that room as often because I'm I'm not quite as comfortable there and so I'm not playing it nearly as much as I'd like to and the streaming to PC right now kind of hit or miss and when you're playing a racing game that mess means you're in a wall so being able to actually cross play it on the PC dedicated on the PC that's gonna be awesome it looked amazing it just looked great and being able to drive the variety of different vehicles as well wasn't very limited freaking cool as shit if you may not have guessed i'm probably picking it up (laughs) what's funny is that and i'm not going to talk about this long because it is a racing game and this is a lore show but still what's funny is that joe and i had been chatting back and forth and other people online too and, and vince and i too on twitter and people were typically in agreement because there was so much that was like your sports ball and your first person shooters and a lot of people are just kind of like zoning out and it's like just talk about games and yet here I am racing (laughs) and I know everybody else just tuned out
1: but I (laughs) did
0: not
2: (laughs) I
1: was taking fucking notes (laughs) that's okay because we love you for it because I'm not going to play that game you totally are yep I'm I'm More interested in this than I have been in any of the other Forzas simply because of like all the off road stuff, and it seems that it's moving more in that fun arcade style than the the simulation game with Forza was trying to compete with Gran Turismo.
2: The drop in drop out play actually kind of interested me too because I I like the idea of if I'm just getting home and Roger's in the middle of a a race and I happen to have this game, I can pop on and play with him for the rest of that race, and then if or if you know I have to go because you know I have to go take somebody to work or, you know, my phone's blowing up because something is exploding at my work, I can just drop out of the game and it doesn't ruin the play experience for everybody else around me. See,
0: the Horizon is more of their fun one. So it's more Mm -hmm. of like the Burnout Paradise kind of thing. And then they have the actual Forza game, which is more of the actual legitimate racing on tracks and everything else. I prefer the fun ones. The fun ones have their place. And I mean, it is certainly something that is a blast to just pop in and you know, rip through in the backwoods of some place and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was
2: a lot of really cool gameplay in there. I, I really dug it a lot. So from there, we also then got Gears of War 4, which is going to be an Xbox One and Windows 10 exclusive, which I never played any of the yeah. Gears of War because it's generic shooter number seven for me, as far as I'm concerned. That said...
1: At the time, it wasn't generic. But now it is. (laughs) But over the years, it has become its own different brand of generic. And that's what the problem
0: with trying to go back and play those games. If if you didn't play them in their time, where mm -hmm. it was something that was impressive because it was unique, then now it's like that. It's lost that appeal now. There's no point in going back and playing it.
2: Now that's not to say that they're not good games. I know people really enjoy them. They really enjoy the co-op on them. That's actually one of the things that has been most applauded for it was just the the online co-op is really fantastic so it's going to be a five player co-op which is cool there's going to be a horde mode it's the game itself is going to run at 60 frames per second Uh, there's using the unreal engine 4 and i know that two of my employees lost their shit when they saw this get premiered and i was just like i'm very excited for you (laughs) yeah Uh, from there, we got one that I know Roger and I were both cool, excited dude. about. Gwent. <laughs> so if you don't know what Gwent is, Gwent is uh, the card game. If you don't know
1: what Gwent Witcher. is, keep it that way.
2: <laughs> it is addicting. But it's the card game from The Witcher. And not just the games, but also the books. And It's a kind of a big thing. It's one of those... Games that transcends all of the continents and all of the cultures in the books in the world, and here they're actually bringing it as a standalone game, and it's going to be on Xbox One and Windows 10. And Roger and I have already signed up for the beta, like the day that it was announced. Oh god, it
0: yeah. Was, oh yeah. When you sent that email or that uh, the message, a message saying, "Hey, I got in," I was like, "Fuck you!" It says it's not even starting till September. If you got in, we got problems. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I, just, I just read it. I was too, too excited. <laughs>
0: But this is awesome. I, I love that they expanded on it as well and and are including a bunch of different things. I, I love that there's going to be a single-player campaign, which most TCGs now understand you need that. All of this, it, it freaking looked incredible.
2: And it's going to be, I think it's going to be very successful for them, and I'm looking forward to it. From there, we got to another exclusive for Xbox One and Windows 10, which is Halo Wars 2 which is a real-time strategy game, which we have not heard much of any of those in a very long time. So I was actually intrigued. So it's going to be basically the largest battlefield ever. And it's going to be you Spartans and Warthogs and Scorpions all over the place. And apparently it's coming in February. Which I'm actually kind of cool, I'm excited about, because like I said, real-time strategy games are not something we see very often anymore. Yeah. To see them coming back a
1: little bit is is heartwarming, almost. Yeah, the first Halo Wars was fun. Yeah. And it's the only time RTS has ever worked on console. <laughs> Well, because it was specifically designed for a console. Well, this, that hasn't tried other co- stopped other companies from trying and failing. Yeah. <laughs> StarCraft. Um, so, yeah.
2: <laughs> now, another one that I thought was interesting, too, was Inside. And the only reason I'm bringing this up on the Xbox uh, section is because it's going to premiere first on Xbox One. Now, Inside is a follow-up to Limbo from Playdead. And I don't know what the hell is going on in this game, but I know I need to play it. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Look cool. yeah, And then from there we had ReCore which is another Xbox One and Windows 10 exclusive which we didn't really get anything about from like this just super hip kind of cutscene but you know a little bit more about that. And then there was one that I know Roger and I were going back and forth on and we have decided that we have already named our ship we have Sea of Thieves uh, It's by Rare and it is going to be a multiplayer pirate adventure where you can name your own ship and have your own crew Roger, would you like to tell everybody what the ship's name is? Pirates who do Pilates.
1: It that is going be to be airship epic. Wait, 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 wait. How how did this come about? <laughs> <laughs> there has to be a story behind this name. I don't know where they Roger need got to keep it in shape. It. They need to keep in shape.
0: They they have I mean, those is, nice an is svelte... sort
1: of English joke? No, <laughs> okay. it's just funny.
0: You're 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 walking a plank if you keep that up,
1: buddy. <laughs> Listen, we all know amongst three of us who's going to be Blackbeard, the dread of the seas. Don't push me. That is fair. That is fair. Now, I'm going to go to one
2: that I think Vince is very excited about, which is going to be Scalebound, another Xbox One and Windows 10 exclusive. I seem to remember you being very excited about this. You'd think so. Not by this trailer.
1: Yes, this particular gameplay demo was pretty lackluster. Like, we've seen far better gameplay in earlier builds. Like, this... I guess they chose this one because I guess this is the most complete bit of gameplay they had to show off the co-op elements. But overall, yeah, this... It didn't even seem like a platinum game. The combat was so basic and... Uninter- Stodgy. Yeah. There was yeah, this one, nothing th- this. it was a kind of a this. fail.
0: Yeah, there was nothing epic about this at all. I mean, freaking attacking welts on its claws and you're going like really this is how you're taking it down and then eventually exposing the brain it was I just thought it was stupid I hated the voice acting it was just these lame sarcastic little quips and you're going like you're not Spider-Man buddy shut up (laughs) I just
1: I he's not trying to be Spider-Man he's trying to be Dante
0: yeah I honestly (laughs) I went into this massive hype and then saw the trailer and was like wow that sucks now I'm not even so sure I want to pick it up
1: I mean, at this point, we've seen two different games. Which one is the real one?
2: Yeah. I My money's on this. I really hope not. I hope it's a better one. We'll see. Now, there was also Tacoma, which is one that I didn't really know too much about. But I think it's kind of a cool concept. It's 2088, and uh, humanity is taking to the stars and you step aboard the abandoned space station Tacoma. The facility's augmented reality technology is your only connection to the crew that once lived here. So it's going to be one of those creepy kind of, let's see, what happened things. And there's an AI overseer named Odin, because naming things after gods of everything is always a good idea. When they gain sentience, they're going to take you out. Like, let's learn this by now. It's kind of interesting. It's going to be a story exploration game, kind of like Gone Home. Uh, which was their first uh, story exploration game. It's from the same people, Fulbright. I'm actually kind of excited for that. I like story exploration games. It doesn't really have, like, a super, you know, doesn't have to have jump scares or anything like that all the time. It's relaying a story, and I'm kind of quite okay with that. I'm trying to actually remember that one. I don't even remember it. It's the one with, like, the the holograms, like, over, like, laid over the corridor as you're, like, going through the space station. There was, like, sort of, like, these weird cuts. Okay, but it, I think I remember now, yeah. Yeah. It, it just a very interesting concept to find out what happened. I'm going to guess that it's Odin murdered everybody, but we'll see. Yeah. And then uh, from there, the last thing I want to talk about is we saw some more We Happy Few. Oh, dude, I was hoping. You were oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is a game that if you've listened to us before, you know that we have been very excited about from the time we first mentioned it. Uh, this is from Compulsion Games, and it is going to come to Windows 10 and Xbox One first. It may go to other consoles after that. It's a dystopian mod 1964 England that lost World War II. And you are a citizen in Wellington Wells, and you are taking a happy drug called Joy, which is how you get around living in denial of your grim existence and terrible past. Like, hey, let's smash this pinata. It's a custom. Oh, crap. It's actually a dead rat.
1: Oh, God, this, this trailer is so good.
0: If Go for it, man. anything describes this trailer, it was the line, snug as a bug on
1: a drug. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's just all those little things like when he goes into the office of the woman who's air quotes on vacation and the, the welcome home banner is falling off to just say come home. Like all those small little touches that I mean, obviously, from the first second, you know, something's fucked up with this, but. That that slow reveal of just how fucked up was very expertly done. What I liked is the
0: developer interview later on where they were saying, like, you can sit there at that start – for a long time redacting articles and reading each one to get more and more and more information about this world. It's like, holy crap. I think it's going to, it's going to take me forever to actually start the goddamn game <laughs> because I'm going to be doing that, sitting down, making sure I've gone through everything. Cause that was awesome.
2: Yeah. And this is one that I, I've been tracking down alpha gameplay footage. Cause there's been some people that have been allowed to play the alpha version of this game. And, Holy shit! There are some fucked up things beyond what we've seen. Like this game gets like deep, dank, dark. And yeah, oh, yeah. This is just the tip of the iceberg. This yeah. is this is yeah. What you've seen, like if this is disturbing to you, what you've just seen in the trailers, you, oh god, you are in for one hell of a uh, one hell of a wake up call. But it's it's from what I've seen, it's very interesting how they lay everything out too, and how civilization is sort of. Laid out, there's a lot of crafting in this game, which is interesting. Uh, a lot of it doesn't revolve around the drugs per se, but drugs can be involved in it because you can actually make like drug bombs and shit like that. But this this is probably the first must buy game for me that I saw all of e three.
0: I love the footage that they showed outside of the village as well or wherever the hell it No, it was in England. Uh, yeah. No, it's Wells. Well, uh, yeah. So the, the stuff that took place outside the, where the people aren't on the drugs and everything was like, Holy crap. It's obvious there's going to be a ton more. And this is one of the few games once again, where I, I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to know anything more. You, you sold me without a doubt. I'm sold. And I want to actually experience it when I'm playing now. It It, it was that
2: impressive. Well, that's all I got for the Xbox stuff, unless anything popped up that you guys want to talk about.
0: Nothing else spectacular that really was groundbreaking,
1: though. We can yell about Scorpio for a little while longer. No, I think we got that out of our
0: system. (laughs) We're already at the hour mark, and we're just now starting Nintendo. So, Vince, go ahead with Nintendo.
1: Yeah, so Nintendo was interesting this year because they built their entire presentation around essentially one game. Little did we know that one game was going to play out for the entire day. Uh, before we get into that, outside of their presentation, the only other game I saw mentioned was the announcement of a new Paper Mario, which I mean, Paper Mario yeah, games are fun. Idea.
0: They talked about Pokemon they... Go as well, not just Sun oh, and yeah. Moon.
1: Yeah, Pokemon Go launches in about a month, right? Uh, July, something? Soon, yeah, because there's yeah. already some betas going on. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to their actual treehouse live presentation, they said, hey, we're talking about the new Zelda. They showed off a new trailer for Legend of Zelda, the Breath of the Wild. And they said, now we're going to talk about Pokemon for a while. <laughs> so I spent 45 minutes talking about the new Pokemon game and nothing against the Pokemon game because it's you know, it's what we know from the past. It's iterative changes over the previous model that make it unique, make it fun. It doesn't look like a bad game at all. It's just everybody was so chomping at the bit for more Zelda that this felt like it was hours long. I know, Roger, you were going nuts. Oh, well, yeah.
0: You can only take so much. Like, if you've never played a Pokemon game before, then I'm like, yeah, play this. You'll have a ton of fun. Mm -hmm. You'll be addicted as all hell. You'll want to collect them all, quote-unquote, and you'll have a lot of fun. But if you've played... One or more, any other Pokemon game, there's no point. I mean, it's prettier, and if you like it because of just the, oh, new ones to collect, then go for it. But you're never going to get a different gameplay. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's the same story, it's the same gameplay. Like, people are wigging out about which starter three am I going to pick. I'm going, it's, that in and of itself is the same thing they've done in every goddamn game. Like, just they couldn't even change up the starter pokemon thing of selecting one. i would, I so, would like
2: it noted that the one time they did change that was the pokemon yellow edition with Pikachu way back when at the original start. Man, that's you had no choice. You just got a goddamn Pikachu.
0: So yeah, it's it's it would be nice if it was different because if it was in fact a different story, I actually would pick one up and play because I haven't played for several of them now. But like I mean, it was gorgeous. It was definitely more well realized than the previous one so i will give them credit for that because in my opinion that's one of the things they've been lazy about forever and so it was nice to see some improvements in it and it did look better but after 45 got, minutes you're like fuck okay yeah. enough's enough
1: <laughs> i also think the biggest problem with this especially because it went on for 45 minutes is playing a pokemon game is fun Watching someone play a Pokemon game is like watching paint dry. It's not an interesting experience in any way. When they're getting all excited, oh, oh
0: is it going to catch it? Is it going to fail? Oh, yeah, you got it. I'm going, nobody gets that excited watching somebody else. When you're doing it and it's yes. like a legendary,
1: yes, okay. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> you, freaking out that much about Donald Trump rat. No, definitely not. <laughs> Pokemon aside, of course, we got tons and tons and tons of gameplay footage of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I spent most of my Wednesday after I got off work watching this stuff, and oh, it looks like a hell of a game. It's absolutely gorgeous. It has just that Zelda aesthetic taken to this incredible extreme, like that opening bit where after you leave the weird cryogenic sleep chamber and get your iPad and you climb out of that tomb or whatever it is and to the top of that hill and the whole world is out there in front of you it's not something unique from a video game perspective but it is very unique within the Zelda setting and it just sets such a tone that this is going to be a very different Legend of Zelda experience that we've never seen before I I like the fact that it showcased
2: that they were integrating technology in some manner to the game. Oh, yeah. And I think that's kind of it's important because that's something that doesn't exist in any other Zelda game. Also, the scope of this game, how big it is. And Roger and I were going back and forth about this when we were watching this. This game is going to be fucking massive. This is like Skyrim and Dark Souls and Zelda had a baby. Like, this is huge, huge game world. And I think that's really cool, too. Uh, And the fact that it is that open world experience, Uh, again, like, Zelda suffers from hold your hand syndrome a little bit. Like, this is where you kind of need to go. Oh, you need to go here to get this, to unlock this. No, you can go anywhere in any direction
1: and experience anything, which I think is really important. That's something that we saw starting with Link Between Worlds, where there wasn't that gameplay progression after like the first two dungeons it really was an open world there too just in a very different way so it's it's something that the zelda franchise has been slowly working its way towards what i liked is
0: again going back to the when he he goes on to the plateau bit i think it carried more weight because it is a zelda game because Mm -hmm. in the zelda games pretty much everything that you do in the game by virtue of the fact that it's very well choreographed in the game and the score and the the power of the ip makes you it feel that much more epic yes and so in that world to then come up onto that plateau and see the breadth of the starter area (laughs) (laughs) was like monumental it was really the same kind of feeling you get watching a movie say that it's a really good movie where they have that, that, that same type of scene and you're like, oh, I can feel th- how big this is supposed to be. And that's what the weight it carried.
1: Mm-hmm. I, just the size of this is – I mean we've come to expect these giant open worlds you know, between Bethesda games and The Witcher and all, all of their ilk. But again, this being a Zelda game, it's unique. But just the size is still – impressive because the E3 demo was limited to this one air quotes small area of the plateau which in reference to the rest of the map yes this is a tiny area but it is still huge I I know one of the gameplay demos like they climbed to the top of a hill they were going to a shrine so they put like a map marker on the shrine and then spent 20 minutes running there (laughs) it was ridiculous how huge this is well
0: one of the ones that I saw too they got to a fairly high point point. And they were mm-hmm. saying, like, is this the highest point? And then you look around, it's like nope, there is a higher mountain right over there that we can go to if we want. And it was a climb to get there and it's spectacularly beautiful. And that's not even the the highest plateau in that again, starter area. And that's yeah. that's important to keep repeating because we've been in starter areas and games that are very cons- constrained little spaces same so no that Dick you can village yo. yeah where you can learn the principles of the game and this is like no fuck that go here have fun it's it's <laughs> massive here's
1: one npc to talk to that you can't pass and now have fun yeah figure it out kid because <laughs> well, there's
2: so oh go ahead joe I was going to say, actually, one of my friends, uh, one of my friends who actually works at Ubisoft uh, was on the floor there and he got some time to actually go and play Zelda. And his only reaction when I text, when he texted me back, when I said, how was it? He was like, this is the Zelda game we've been waiting 20 years for. Like just that's what he said. He's like, I went back in line and scheduled time like three more times because there's not enough time to even get through the star area. And they were giving people 30 minutes of of playtime at a pop. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's a pretty generous amount of playtime at E3. Let's be honest. Yeah. But so he had a go he went through like three or four times before he was like you know, even remotely close to like figuring out where everything was. And he just said it's it feels absolutely amazing. He said the combat feels very Zelda-like, but it's very, like, very tight. Uh, And I asked him about the stamina bar, which is kind of important here, and we didn't talk Mm -hmm. about this yet. Your stamina bar is going to be things outside of combat, like climbing, swimming, jumping, things like that, that exhaust you. So it's people have been complaining that it's an artificial limiting. Uh, Everybody who I know has played it so far, like Eddie 3 played the demo, said it didn't even feel like that. It just felt like it forced you to think more about where you were going as opposed to oh yeah I'll just climb this, this giant edifice it was no okay well here's a, a platform here that I can probably rest at okay well I can make it this way it forces you to think more about problem solving
1: than it does just go and I think that is kind of cool yeah that's a very Zelda way of approaching open world traversal that it's still going to have that puzzle element if you will Well, especially
0: inside of the temples, too. You got a lot Mm -hmm. more puzzle elements in there, which was very, very cool.
1: Yeah, so as for all the stuff you can do in this world, I I think the first and most noticeable difference is the combat. I mean, it, it seems to be that if not the end goal of the game, one of the very late game things is actually going to be getting the Master Sword. Uh, From the trailer, they made that seem like this was the big thing, whereas in most Zelda games, getting the Master Sword is kind of, you know, the end of the prologue, if you will. Now you've got the sword, now you can go fuck shit up, but this game is very much built around Link having access to an absolute arsenal of weapons. Swords, spears, axes, you name it. arms. (laughs) Yeah, has got weird <laughs> skeleton arms, and they all act very differently in combat, and there's going to be situations where one weapon type is better than another, I mean, It's like Assassin's Creed at this point now (laughs) with the gameplay uh, of almost like a rock, paper, scissors of which weapon is best for which situation. But some are more powerful than others, but they also all degrade over time. So you're constantly going to be hunting for new, more powerful (laughs) weapons, which that's that that has never existed in a Zelda game before. You've always had a weapon, your sword with, you know, a variety of sub weapons on the side. So that right there opens up a breadth of new gameplay possibilities
0: I love that you're not running around with a shield with the Hyrule graphic mm-hmm. on it or not. No, it's a pot lid.
1: <laughs> Be happy that you have it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen them pick up some higher level shields, but yeah,
0: yeah. To start, that's one of the ones straying you pick up
1: away from that tried and true Zelda aesthetic of here's your Master Sword, here's your Hylian shield, you know, here's your green hat. and I really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. And did you see the one gameplay demo where they had that the Japanese woman showing off the combat? Yes. yes. She was fucking brutal. I loved it. Oh, they're <laughs> they kept making fun of her. <laughs> it's like, oh, there, there's a bunch
2: of little goblins over there. Yeah, I'll just light their shit on fire. Why not? She was brutal and it was beautiful. Well and they, they were there was in. the other woman
0: was great too that did the um, the temple run. And Mm -hmm. that's that's the one that I really liked because outside was awesome and it was cool and all that. But after a while, it's like, okay, this is the same outside, whereas the going into the temple showed like the the puzzle aspects and using the, the gravity, whatever the hell that was to move things and finding different ways to get across. And there was a little bit more story there with the tablet and all kinds of stuff like that. So that was freaking awesome as well.
1: Yeah, that's that's pure Zelda gameplay yeah. there of more problem solving. And how are you going to traverse this cool dungeon that they've designed with? I mean, there's combat in there, of course, but yeah, they showed off. I think it was four different powers. Uh, they showed off the bomb, which there's two different types of bombs, a square bomb and a round bomb, which are going to behave differently given various physical uh, things in play. They showed off the magnet, which allows you to you know, move around metal objects. Um, God, What was it? The The ice pillar which you could, you know, just that you can form a pillar of ice out of anything with water. And God, what was the fourth one? Oh, the time stop, which, you know, you can use to temporarily freeze things to solve the puzzles. But it was so cool seeing them traverse these dungeons. Like, of course, the early ones were very simplistic. But when they showed off some of the later ones where you've got to use some of these powers in conjunction with each other and time things, it, it this, this is what really excites me for this Zelda game because I absolutely love this sort of stuff. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, you've got the ex- combat, you've got the exploration. There's an entire cooking system in here because you got three hearts. That's it. Make them count. <laughs> and you're going to have to eat food to replenish your health. Or, you know, if you made some really nice food, you can gain extra hearts, combine things together. Like they made an entire crafting system in a Zelda game that is still... Unique in its own way. Oh, my God. It it was so cool. I, again,
0: it was one of those things where I was justifiably getting tired of watching Zelda going on (laughs) five hours because I had it playing on the side while I was doing, while I was working kind of thing. And I was listening when I could. But over and over again, I found myself and I wrote it down in my notes just so that I remember. I found myself out loud saying, wow. Wow. Like, it was different things would come up like that. You're going, whoa, okay, that's, was not expecting that from a Zelda game. That is justifiably very cool. And then the food stuff, yeah. Especially, like, when he was going up against, what was it? There was a couple of hard bosses, not bosses, Mm -hmm. but creatures he was going up against. Actually, it was the woman who was playing and she was like, oh, OK, we need to buff up here. We, we need to increase our hearts, get some more health into us. And I'm going like, oh, OK, so this is not just a dive in and fight all the time kind of thing. You really do have to be careful. And that crafting is going to not just come in handy, but at points be almost damn near mandatory just so that you can get through encounters.
1: Yeah, I, I just hope it doesn't turn into the gathering fest that, like we talked about earlier, these games can easily turn into. But, but but it seemed like the the crafting system was much more modular. It wasn't here's the recipe. It's what have you got in your backpack? Throw yeah. it all in a fucking pot and make it work. Yeah, it's gumbo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, aside from that, like it's just like you said, this is so unlike any other Zelda game we've seen before. In everything except for aesthetic, gameplay is largely completely brand new, while keeping some of the elements of the classic. But a lot of people were upset because there is one thing that's completely unchanged about this game. Joe, I know you and oh I were God, discussing yeah. this the other day.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's that a lot of people are disappointed that Link is only playable as a male character because for, well, ever... Let's be honest, Link is pretty androgynous. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people said, you know, it's not that much of a change to make him either female or choose your gender. And we thought Nintendo was kind of learning this with uh, Hyrule Warrior Legends when they put Linkle in there. Which... They could have very easily put Linkle in there, too. Guess... People lost their shit with Linkle. Like, people were so excited.
0: You yes, would have thought... it's they... something a lot of
1: people have been waiting for yeah. decades for. I, I... And when this was brought up to Nintendo... They didn't drop their response the ball. is what was really <laughs> yeah. disturbing about this. Yeah. Because let's let's be honest, keeping Link as a male, it's disappointing, but it's not unexpected. It's like Peter Parker starring in a Spider-Man game. It's not un it's not unexpected. It just has its disappointment. It's soul crushing is what different. it is. <laughs> <laughs> but their response was so tone deaf. It it, it was very very off putting that. They saw that the fans had an interest in having a female playable character. They didn't want to make Link a woman because they figured the easier thing to do would just make Zelda playable. I mean, she's been the title character in this fucking series for however long. So that would be the most obvious thing to do, make Zelda playable. But then they realized if they did that, Link would have nothing to do. That was just what the fuck. There was also you can't the, play. You can't play as a woman because then the boys wouldn't be doing anything important. Because all, Zelda's been doing all kinds of important. You know stuff in all these games. <laughs> hey, hold on! I was
0: season. the one that was cutting them off there.
1: Ah. <laughs> Get in line. I was like, everybody's like, but uh, I wanna, I wanna rant too.
0: The 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 thing that bothered me also was the implication that it. Um, it could only be a male character as the quote-unquote hero as well mm-hmm. and what they were saying was like no oh god you people and it was yeah pissed me off to know
2: it it's it's sad because it's one of those things where it's it's endemic of the culture where they're rooted and i get that i don't have to like it and i think it's i don't think they understand exactly like how much that little change would skyrocket their branding even further like yes i understand that zelda and link and and those games are you know iconic at this point they're part of our, our culture but at the end of the day like you want there's a whole new generation of gamers coming up that care about these things and if you don't recognize that you're falling into what i like to call the nintendo trap again where it's we know best we know what's best for everything we know what our consumers want even if they're telling us they want something different we are right and they're just losing out on a huge opportunity. That's just give us a fucking game where Zelda's the goddamn main hero. Because at the end of the day, it's been named after her since the '80s. Let let her have a spotlight, damn it. You can have it, it,
0: a Legend of Zelda game without Link.
2: It's yeah, possible, and could be, be done game. very well done. Did you see there was a there was a a, a fan artist who did an entire like animated sequence. With Zelda in Link-style garb. Like, she was not Linkle. It was Zelda. It, very clearly Hyrulean, like, symbolism all over it. And Link was in the posh, like, get-up. He was the princess that needed saving.
1: Like, I would play that game. Yep. I would throw my money through my monitor to get that game. And one of the arguments I've been seeing from people and, you know, people in that... Internet sense of that. You wouldn't make Mario a woman if they made Samus a man. Everybody would freak out. Well, because there aren't that many female protagonists in games. And yes, that would be a huge disservice to make Samus a man. But more importantly, every Mario game you play, that's the same Mario. Every Metroid game you play, that's the same Samus. Just about every Zelda game you play, it's a different link. It's not the same character that you're playing across games. It's it's a monomyth, if you will. They could absolutely make Link customizable as far as gender and skin tone and other features are concerned without changing a single thing about the lore of the game mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. What I, that, yeah, that's what bothers me the most.
0: In all honesty, I'm looking forward to the day where... The studios are not so afraid of backlash that they will put you, allow you to choose a male or a female Link regardless of Zelda. That just means that your female Link is mm-hmm.
1: a lesbian and she's going to rescue the princess anyway. Well, even then, it should, there's been... The link between – oh, God. The connection between Link and Zelda has very rarely been a romantic one even then.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> there's that as well. But I'm just saying even if it was, who the fuck cares? Put a gay character oh, no, I, in the I role agree with and you, then but, boom, run with it.
1: But changing the gender identities wouldn't be that big of a deal from you know a, a social standpoint yeah. because it doesn't have to be a romantic connection. They They wouldn't be as – like there wouldn't be as much backlash. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. Anything else? Did you watch the video with the Amiibo?
1: No, I I see Amiibo. Oh, yeah. Because there's going to be. That was was cool. The co-op, right?
0: Well, there's going to be the um, the regular one as well as the um, the wolf one. And there was one more as well. Wasn't it one of the monsters or am I thinking of another game there?
2: one was another game it was the I know there was the, the wolf, wolf one for because sure. I
0: saw the video with the wolf where you tap your little wolf link on there and now all of a sudden the wolf is your companion, because every game has mm-hmm. to have a pet German Shepherd like dog or a wolf. And so he fights with you. So that's an assist there if you need it.
2: But did you notice the wolf was very much the wolf form of Link from exactly. Twilight Princess?
0: Yeah, that's what they said too. It's the same shape, dimensions yeah. kind of thing that it's, that's what it is. So again, if you like and you collect amiibos, that's a hell of a nice perk to have in the game. I, I thought that was awesome. and one. How much it'll are they?
2: It to my, it'll be added to my Amiibo collection. Do you know how much they are? The Wolf one? I wonder. It's. Pro- I'm going to guess it's probably going to be 20 bucks. It's going to probably be one of their high-end ones. Right. Well, the Wolf ones are already
1: available, aren't they?
0: That's the, the thing. You can use the Wolf one that's available now and yeah. it'll do that. So I don't know how much they
1: are. I'm going to check while you keep talking. I'm pretty sure it's standard Amiibo pricing. Fuck, I don't know that. I've never bought <laughs> an Amiibo. They're, they're about $20 American, yeah. That's enough, you know, for a little figurine. I like I mean, I'll ship bucks, it to Joe, and I'll get
0: him to figurine. repaint it. What's that? <laughs> I'll send it to Joe and get Joe to repaint it for me. Awesome.
2: Totally would do. <laughs> uh, but seriously, 20, 20 bucks though, for, like, a figurine is, like, one thing. 20 bucks for a figurine that lets you have different gameplay experiences. I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, $19.15. The Wolf.
1: That is awesome. Mm-hmm. That's Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, the, they, they didn't They didn't bring a lot with them this year, but they definitely made an impact with what they did bring. Because I think they knew if they showed off anything other than Zelda, it would just be buried. So they might as well just focus on Zelda and give other games their chance to shine at other shows.
0: They did do uh, quite a bit on that Pokemon Go, not to talk too much about it, but it was justifiably pretty awesome. I mean, for something oh, that I'm started as mm-hmm. an April Fool's joke from Google... This was like you got three different companies working on it. They showed a ton of gameplay of it and how it works in the beta right now. They said there's 30 pokeballs thrown per second because (laughs) everyone is, is who's got in beta is playing. It was freaking awesome as shit. Like I thought it was great. If I went out of the house more, (laughs) I would use it. Sadly for me, I'd be, Catching the same freaking
1: Donald Brother, Trump thing do you over have and over. 500 ratatas. Yeah,
0: that's what would happen with me. Yeah.
1: It's, the only, it's the only Pokemon at my house. Oh, no, he's in Canada. It would be some form of goose. It would be a big ass
0: moose with a pride flag in its teeth. <laughs> All right, with that, we were going to cut out this first part. Like I said, we are going to be doing part two with the individual devs as well as a bunch of other stuff. And there's some really awesome games still to talk about. So make sure to download that episode. It's going to be awesome. Stop by the site at forthelord.com live for when we do our live shows and leave us some comments. You can find us, of course, iTunes, Stitcher, Twitter. I'll put all that blurb into the next episode. So go listen and we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, Manellijamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.